Hello and welcome to another Mean Green Podcast. I'm switching things up here for episode number nine. I'm my home of is joined alongside my co-host Reed Smith, who uh, has got me doing the intro today, because why not? Reed, yeah. how the hell are you? Oh, Milo, it is quite the Tuesday afternoon. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Oh, it's Wednesday. Wednesday. It's, another, it's uh, Wednesday, yeah. but it has it's been a nice... very slow week for me. Yeah. <laughs> it's Wednesday afternoon. I'm tired. Had a rough week last week just in terms of being busy, but we are back for another Mean Green podcast, and that makes me happy. So here we are. Yeah, I mean, as always, like I say, uh, every Wednesday, Thursday, depending on what day we record, it's always a good day. And, um, you know, I, I think it's I think this will be a good episode. Excited to get into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. How was your how was your weekend? Oh, ah, man. So the weekend was pretty insane. So Friday was the SMU game. And I have a story about that in a second. Um, that was an 8 p.m. kickoff on a Friday on national TV. So I didn't get out of there until like 1.50. Um, oh, man. Oh, for real. And then on Saturday, I drove to Waco for my brother-in-law's birthday. Uh, missed the UNT Omaha men's basketball game. But it was kind of an important family deal. And with those early season non-conference games, I feel like if I'm going to miss one, this one was probably going to be the one more on that later. But, you know, it was a good weekend, I guess. Sunday was chill, which is what I could ask for. Um, that's about it, man. I I just I'm busy. I'm all over the place. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel you. I'm busy on a on a different magnitude. I'm not traveling to <laughs> sports games, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. I, I will say it's. It's been very, very busy for me uh, with work and then as well my personal life too. We're finally starting to get into um, being tourists. You know, we moved wow. to Southern California uh, in July, early July. And so we decided that when we first moved, the first thing we were going to do was not go be tourists, but, you know, settle into where we are and everything. And kind of avoid that touristy season of the summertime. <laughs> And yeah. so we're now starting to do all that stuff in the fall when there's not that many people. So this past weekend we went to uh, downtown Hollywood, and yeah. we we uh, you know got checked out the Walk of Fame, the Hollywood sign. Um, we saw the uh, the observatory too, and and that was that was cool. So we did all the all the good old touristy stuff over the weekend. So there you go. And but, I must say. What a great intro, my friend. You introed it better than anyone could ask to intro. I appreciate in your, it. In I, your first, in I your was, first uh, MGP intro. Yeah, it was, it's a very, very nerve-wracking honor to hold. You know, <laughs> I'm going into this. I have I gotta, you know, live up to the expectations that everybody has uh, everybody has for Reed Smith and another I know. podcast. So yeah, yeah. exactly. But before we get into the gridiron, I have a story about SMU. So I mentioned how I was at SMU Friday, right? Yeah. I'm I, Okay, so just for people that don't know SMU or Gerald J. Ford Stadium, it is like impossible to get to the press box. So you have to go through, through three hallways and then an elevator past a bunch of rich people. Um, so when I got there, I was on the field, right? I was taking pictures uh like the hey i'm in dallas type deal 
And then <laughs> w- going back up the steps, I had to ask like two employees how to get to the press box. I finally get there. I report the game. The first half is fine. The second half is disastrous. Um, as we're walking down to the field, because with like six minutes to go, uh, it was really like difficult to get down to the field. Like I mentioned, uh, we had to, it took like five minutes to get down to the field. So for the last minute and a half, we're going down to the field on at Gerald J. Ford on the way there. You're passing like the rich people boxes, right? Like the, like the SMU rich people, the Highland park folk. Yeah. The donors. Yeah, exactly. So this kid that looks like exactly what you'd expect an SMU student to look like comes out, (laughs) comes out of one of these rooms and, and an SID is, is leading us down the halls. He's walking down the hall. He's wearing all UNT stuff. I think a couple people were wearing UNT stuff while we were, um, while we were walking down. I don't wear UNT stuff to games, just an objective thing. Um, Keep it neutral. Yeah, keep it neutral. We, you know, yeah. we're not fans on this podcast. Um, and this, but I was wearing like a rain jacket with khakis, and that's like a coordinator fit, right? Like you look like you should be on the <laughs> sidelines. And yeah. so this guy, obviously intoxicated as hell, he's like, he's like, good game, man. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, awesome, cool, sounds good. Uh, he's like, where are y'all heading next week? And I'm like, oh, they're going to Tulsa. Probably should be a win. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and then we're kind of quiet. He's walking next to me. He goes, so what position do you coach? And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm a journalist, man. And he goes, oh. And <laughs> oh. Oh. You write journalism? And then as he's walking out the door, he turns he turns to me one more time. And he's like, well, man, have a blessed day and be safe on the trip back. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm That's like, so all right, well, thanks, man. Yep. <laughs> That's hilarious. See, all these UNT fans have such a negative connotation of SMU people. But literally, a drunk frat boy was super nice to me for no reason. <laughs> so. Yeah, you know, I don't think all drunk frat boys are like that, but I think you might have struck gold and found a good one. So, Well, every time I've been to SMU, people have been extremely nice to me. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. It is. I just remember, I went, I, you know, as I was watching the SMU game uh, from my couch, unfortunately, I was remembering the time when I did go to SMU, my freshman year, um, we were, I was in Green Brigade, uh, and I couldn't recall if we went or not, and I think we did. What did it for me was I remember walking through the SMU campus after the game, and I just remember, you know, us getting kind of heckled by the the SMU fans that were walking along campus as well, Uh, so I, I guess that was my memory, so it it kind of contrasts your your experience with SMU fans and, and all that good stuff. So, Yeah, and a guy that I report with, he also has a podcast. You know, I don't have to call him a guy. I can shout him out. Sonoy Valenti, he does the Mean Green Show. Um, oh, he's he not on the blacklist? No, he's not. He's not on the don't mention <laughs> list. I, mm-hmm. um, 
No, Sonoy was there. Apparently they were rude to him. So maybe they just like me, you know, maybe I'm just attractive to not like physically attractive, but like maybe they just see me and think, oh, that's a nice fella. And they're nice. He was a coach. That's why. On NBA 2K, I am Coach Reed. And it and it feels like maybe that is a leaking into real life a little bit. Yeah. So just, just yeah. a tad bit. Between yeah. you and John, I'm I'm Coach Reed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get into the gridiron. Ah, the SMU game. What a game it was for a half. Go to yeah. the locker room. 17, yeah. 14, SMU leading. The mean green looking pretty good. Not bad at all on defense. Forced to turnover. But then the second half, Milo. Oh, the second half. 28-7. Outscored by the Mustangs. Preston Stone found his footing. The mean green offense. The bed. And that's kind of all there is to it. Just what are your thoughts on this? You know, there was a meme a while ago, and I don't remember what year it was, but it went a little something like this. Never let them know your next move. And North (laughs) Texas, congratulations to you, because you definitely did not let anybody know your next move. For the past three games, you've come out flat-footed to start the game, and then you've ended rather good, rather decent. You might not have won, but you, you've ended the game pretty pretty solid with a, a decent performance. This past weekend against SMU, you did the opposite. You did not let anybody know your last move. This time around, you had a great first half and a shitty second half. So North Texas, round of applause to you for not letting SMU know your next move. You definitely exactly. caught them off guard for half a game. I mean, first half was like, holy moly, they might actually do this thing. Second half was, that is the worst half of football I've ever seen UNT play. And that's saying a lot. Um, There were two turnovers where it was just, don't really know what just happened type turnovers. Uh, The first one was Chandler Rogers just dropping the ball. Like, he (laughs) rolled to his left and then just dropped it. I mean, not, didn't get it forced out, wasn't a strip sack, didn't lose his balance or anything. He just dropped it. He just dropped the ball. Not really sure what happened there. Um, Then the second one was a miscommunication with Jamori Macklin. Chandler uh, threw it short. Uh, I I think he expected a hitch from Jamori Macklin. Jamori was running a fade. So when you are throwing a hit to a man who is running a fade, Obviously, it's going to get picked off. Uh, ironically, a man with the last name Rogers and the number four picked off Chandler Rogers, whose last name is Rogers, and he wears the number four. So, <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to Jahari Rogers. Uh, you you uh, picked off your exact uh, opposite on the mean green. I thought that was kind of funny that Rogers picked off Rogers. Um, just not a great game. In the second half for UNT, all rushing defense once again, 318 yards in this in the game for uh, SMU. 
Jalen Knighton was grittying all over them, just running through the middle, running through the left to the right. Couldn't stop Jalen Knighton. He got 129 rushing yards on 17 carries. For folks wondering, that is 7.6 yards a carry. Is a team they were averaging five and a half. Yeah, that's a lot. So, of that's a lot. And um, I'm gonna be honest, I shut the game off. I shut, <laughs> oh man, I, I, I shut it off at uh, when we were. I think we were like halfway through the fourth quarter. I called it quits. I said, "Dude, this game is taking way too long. We know the outcome. The score is getting pretty damn close to our predictions, which." I just want to, you know, plug that real quick from last episode. We did pretty good. Pretty I, good yeah. with the predictions. Yeah. I said 48 and, yeah. 24, and that was pretty yeah. close. I don't remember what I said. I think I said something like 42 23 or something, something along the lines of that, I think, or 42 well, 60. I don't know. Something. We both, but guessed, was, we both yeah. guessed over 40 and UNT in the 20s. Yeah. So, yeah, that was um, UNT in the 20s. That definitely panned out, and this is the last time that I'm going to milk the line, but UNT could not handle the Big D in Big D running across a Big D. That's the last time I'm going to say it. But Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The last time the last time for a lot of things. Might be the last Safeway Bowl ever. A lot of people in my comments were like, good. I'm glad it's the last <laughs> ever. And I'm like – Hell yeah! If I was seven, if I was six and thirty-six and one against a team, yeah. <laughs> I would want it to be the last time I you're, played them as well. Yeah, your your fraudulent rivalry. But hey, Mean Green fans, rejoice because you might just be getting back one extra win each year. There you go. You know, there it is. You, yeah. you get to play Army instead of SMU now. That'll be a very patriotic rivalry. Yeah, God if it bless. ever turns into one. Yeah. I doubt it will. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, w- I would like to get the attendance numbers for UNT versus Army for the next 10 years and then uh, subtract the amount of people there that are service members. And Ooh, then I'd like um, to get the attendance. Yeah, you're going to upset some people. UNT versus Army at Datku Stadium brought in 26,000 people. I believe so. Really? Yeah, I mean, according according to a uh, very reliable source, that is Wikipedia. Uh, I, I love Wikipedia, but that is for another another time, another story. Um, that was believe, for that was for what the Heart of Dallas Bowl? No, that wasn't a bowl game. Yeah, that oh. was November eighteenth, twenty seventeen. Army came to Datku, which was formerly Apogee at that time, Such and they brought in twenty six thousand people. Dude, do you see? So here, go to ESPN real quick. Look up UNT versus Army, and then go to ESPN. Okay. The link. Yeah. ESPN's inflated though. The fifty-two forty-nine. No, no, no. I want. I want yeah, you to look. At the pic- I want you to look at the picture it has when you go all the way down for the like, where it set to game information where it says. Oh, I used to love looking at these. I used to love looking at these. They would post a picture of the game, of the crowd, for every game. It says 86% full. Let me, picture does not do let me, let me paint a picture for y'all uh, of what Milo and I are looking at. So it's when UNT had the god-awful <laughs> black field. 
Don't know why they had that at the beginning of their time yeah. at Apogee, uh, formerly known as Apogee, now DatQ. But you can tell this what the gimmick was for this game. It was, here's the, it's a blackout game. Wear your black to the DatQ. And but Armor was a, also black, right? Yeah, well, they're black and gold. Uh, there That's are a weird. few, there are, most of the people are wearing black, if not all. Half the students, <laughs> half the student section is gone. There's like nobody there for army. Uh, hashtag tarp the tail. Nobody's in the tail. Uh, there's about maybe I can count them with my mouse. Uh, about 28 people uh, in the end zone seats, Jesus. and then it, it cuts off <laughs> at the alumni side. But the alumni side looks a hell of, hell of a lot worse than the uh, yeah. Than the student yeah. <laughs> You know, it reminds me of that picture. Um, I think it was one of the first games of this season. Um, UNT posted something. I think it was either UNT or the Green Brigade. They posted something on their story, and they're like, the student section is packed. <laughs> and it, was, it was only the lower bowl. I mean, <laughs> not, the upper bowl was clearly there's nobody there. <laughs> okay for context for additional context and i hate to be laughing at you and attendance i'm sorry folks but but i just saw that picture on espn and had to, and had to let milo see it because my, also just kicked a bag sorry for that noise but um oh my god <laughs> um so i went to a uh, baylor texas earlier this year i was in the upper bowl so just for context, there were students who had student tickets in that upper bowl because they could not get student tickets for the lower bowl because it was sold out. Yeah. That's, I don't even know. Yeah. And Baylor sucks. Yeah. So I don't even know. Does UNT have a lower bowl? I mean, I, <laughs> I, I mean, understand. I mean, technically I mean, it is a lower bowl, but it's one of two. Like The you, stadium is a horseshoe. No so yeah. like, would you call it a lower horseshoe? I, I mean, yeah, but my point is that there's only I mean, two. There's only two sections. There's an upper deck and a lower deck. So, like, do you call it a lower bowl, or I, I guess you do. I don't know. I guess I, it's not really a bowl either. It's like a hexagon. Yeah. So hexagon. <laughs> yeah, a hexagon with a giant wing. With a giant eagle tail at the end. <laughs> Oh man, hashtag tarp the tail, get it trended. Um, and then <laughs> UNT plays a real uh, barn burner this weekend. Uh, three and seven UNT faces off against three and seven Tulsa. Oh, that'll be fun. <clears throat> I'm tra- making the trip burner. up, making the trip up to uh, Tulsa, Northeast Oklahoma. Would you like to know a fun read factoid? Ooh, hit me. My I'm parents sorry. got married in Tulsa. Oh. Wow, yeah. a little bit of history there for Reed yeah. Smith. So I'm traveling to the, the place that is attributed to my existence. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're just looking at Tulsa as a team. Haven't had a great season. They gave uh, Tulane a really good game last week. Uh, Tulane has been kind of, I don't want to say they've been mid because they're 9-1, and one, but like, Am I a willing to call below. that a fra- are we willing to call that a fraudulent nine and one? Well, I know their schedule's been pretty easy, right? 
from what I mean, I their one loss is to Ole Miss. Uh, I mean, let's just yeah. look at Tulane's schedule real quick while we're talking about So, South Alabama, that's a good win. Um, Ole Miss lost to them. And then here's where the schedule gets a little fraudulent. Southern Miss, Nichols, UAB, Memphis is a good team. Home, uh, North Texas, Rice, Eastern Carolina, and Tulsa. So against, in their last four games, they have only won by one possession each against teams that aren't great. So they beat North Texas 35-28, Rice 30-28, East Carolina 13-10. And then last weekend against UNT's opponent this week, Tulsa, they won 24-22. So they're, it, it sounds like they're just not finishing games. So it, they're kind of the opposite of UNT to where <laughs> they're winning these close games. UNT is not, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, I think that's crazy. Um, when UNT played them and I watched them play, I, I don't I don't know. I, I want to say it's fraudulent. Or maybe we just got to you know give credit where credit's due. They're fighters. Right? Well, then, here's my thing, Milo. I don't know. They're going to play SMU in the American title game. I, I think I don't think Memphis is going to beat SMU. Yeah. I don't think that Tulane is better than SMU this season. No. I just I, don't. I don't think so. And I think when they play each other, it wouldn't surprise me if SMU blows them out of the park. I, I, mean, not, I don't know about blow them out of the park, but I just don't know if Tulane is – I mean, I'm going to have to talk to a Tulane writer or something, but I don't know if they're winning close because they're not good enough or they're winning close because they're taking their foot off the gas. I, I guess maybe you- they play maybe they play down to their opponents because that that I mean, I don't watch Tulane, so I don't follow them. I don't know, but maybe they have a habit of doing that and that's why so you're saying they have University of Texas disease? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a good point though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean maybe. But Tulsa is three and seven, one and five, and their three and seven, one and five is not like UNT's. They have not really been close in any of these games. Against FAU they were close, but against everyone else it was like like going down their schedule. They played uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff to start the season. Jesus. Pine Bluff. <laughs> 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 you went to play them in basketball a couple uh, years ago, right? All right. Yeah, they did, and that's the yeah. team that Hope Troutline threw a, a 21 strikeout perfect game against. So great athletic program there at Pine Bluff. And a lot of um, history. 17,529 in attendance for that one at uh, Chapman Stadium. Uh, so 43-10 against Washington, Penix Jr. Uh, decided that he wanted to just beat the crap out of uh, AAC team, so he did. Your uh, favorite they, quarterback. Oh, yes. You know my love for uh, Penix Jr. <laughs> 66-17 Oklahoma. Uh, they lost. They beat NIU. They beat Temple. Then they lost close to FAU. Got blown out by Rice. Lost 69-10 to to SMU. 33-26 to Charlotte. Anyone who loses to Charlotte, frauds. Uh, really close to Tulane last week, but we just did talk about that. Maybe an asterisk that... Tulane has kind of been playing everyone close this season. And then that brings them to North Texas. So a different schedule. They they have the same record as North Texas with a lighter schedule, save for Oklahoma and Washington. 
uh, a lighter conference schedule, I'd say. So I don't think Tulsa is very good, but then again, maybe UNT has lost some motivation to play. Of course, the coaches have said they haven't, but I mean, just from your perspective, do you feel like these players will be like motivated for these final two games? I don't think so. I think the final two games, you've played the bulk of your schedule and, you know, you've played the, the uh, must watch games, right? You know, the game against SMU, UTSA, Tulane, like those were all games that they knew they were going to be big games. They've played them all. They've been there. They've done that. They lost them. And they really have nothing to look forward to, I guess. I mean, so it would not surprise me if this game against Tulsa is really close. Um, I still think UNT should come away with a win by default. Um, But uh, it would not surprise me if the game is pretty close. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. There's a motorcycle passing by. Did you hear? I can't tell if that was like a... well, I could say that, but I can't say it on the podcast. I couldn't tell if that is a souped up uh, yeah, Subaru, souped, souped up Subaru, or a bike. Either way, um, Oscar Attaway, Iowa Day, they had a pretty good game on the ground. Looking for them to be pretty productive against Tulsa, and then for everybody else. Okay, here's my theory, yeah. or my opinion. UNT just needs to start as many eligible freshmen and younger players as they can. I mean, I know. So Brett asked uh, Brett Vito of the DRC asked Eric Morris um, on Tuesday, yesterday, like, you know, are you going to start playing younger players? What's that kind of going to look like? And Morris was pretty adamant and saying, Oh no, no, our seniors are going to finish out. We owe it to them. We owe it to them to try these games and not just play younger players and stuff. But in my opinion, I think just like, especially get the North Shore, the North Shore uh, safeties in there. Get Evan Jackson and Javen Anderson. Give them the start at safety on uh, on on Friday or Friday. See that game screwed me up on Saturday. Stick them at safety. Let them play the final two games of the season. Play four quarters. What is it going to hurt? Because they're both productive. They've had productive games this season. So it's not like you're starting somebody that has no experience. They've done well this season, and I think that UNT would benefit doing that. I don't know what Morris is going to do. Obviously, they're going to continue to try winning. Five and seven looks a hell of a lot better than three and nine. So, um, (laughs) so I think that they do continue playing their big guys. Uh, Chandler Rogers, if he finishes out the season strong, I still think it was a very, very good season for the young man. I mean save for the SMU game, which really wasn't that bad other than the turnovers. He had a pretty good game, uh, 18 for 31, 240 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. And then the big thing that we have talked about and nobody else has really talked about Milo is four sacks. Yeah, that's, um, that's pretty impressive. I, I mean, I, I think that's definitely good stuff. And uh, I think it should be talked about a little bit. Yeah, and listen, I am not going to defend the turnovers. The two turnovers, the one where Chandler dropped it, the interception, those happen. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, well, actually, if you look at it like this, no, there, none of that. But Chandler still has 23 touchdowns on the season, 
to four interceptions. And that's a great ratio. I don't by any means blame the SMU game on him. I, I blame it on the bad defense mostly. And I do, I we've talked about this a lot all season. The mental strain as an offensive player, whether they have admitted it or not, the mental strain of playing the game and knowing your defense is going to blow it. Not, not if, <laughs> when they're going to blow it. I imagine that is a very difficult thing to deal with because you can score. UNT could have scored 50 points in this game. I think SMU would have won 63-50. And <laughs> 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 you, yeah. you can't tell me that's incorrect. I, yeah, no, it, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, the I hate to, I'm wearing my World Series champion shirt. So just, just for the listeners, the Rangers bullpen during the season, the, the Rangers scored like nine runs a freaking game pretty much. And then the bullpen would give up like 12. <laughs> so like, <laughs> you know, uh, they got lucky in the playoffs to where the, that bullpen started playing really well. But as an offense, you figure, like, if you're Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon and you're hitting, you know, two home runs every night and, and then, you know, your bullpen comes in to blow it, I imagine that's a very similar feeling that the UNT offense is having. That, yeah, holy moly, this defense couldn't stop a freaking chip from falling off the counter. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's probably very little confidence between Chandler Rogers and his defense. I think, like you said, I think the mental strain there is a lot. And, I mean, big kudos to him, too. Regardless of him, like, you know, trusting that defense not, he's still going out there doing his thing. He's still going out there making an effort and giving his 100% his A game. So, I mean, that's – and he was really the bright spot all year long. All year long, him alone, having him – as the quarterback, I think if you're a Mean Green fan, um, you got to be optimistic about next year. Yeah, for sure. And we've talked about how we both think Jamori is likely gone after this season. Yeah. But I think that Chandler has done a very good job spreading the wealth. So, you know, lose a big play guy like Jamori, but I'm sure someone will step in and be that next guy. Uh, maybe Landon Sides. I don't know. That's my hot take. I won't be here to report it, but you know, I'll be paying attention still just to wrap up our, di- our discussion on Tulsa before we give score predictions. Uh, they are, a, you know, middling team. Um, Francis Kirk, freshman walk on playing, actually doing pretty well. Uh, 22 for 34 against Tulane for a touchdown and 345 yards through the air. Wow. My God. Um, then the, the guy you got to watch for on Tulsa's defense, uh, is Kendarin Ray. He has been a monster this season, Milo. He's like Katie Davis, the way he tackles. Um, he has 54 solo, 46 assisted, 100 tackles on the season. My <laughs> God. That is 22 ahead of uh, Colin Ramos from Navy for the tackles lead. Damn. Just quite impressive. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Do you think uh, you think UNT is going to get cooked by that or no? Uh, yeah, he's very good. And you don't want to <laughs> know the craziest part? What's up? 
He's a safety. Usually you see linebackers leading those stats. He's a safety putting up those numbers. That's impressive. Indeed. So yeah. that's pretty much I all you got to watch. I would be shivering my timbers. Yeah, that's pretty, much, that's pretty much all you got to watch for on Tulsa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Everything else. Uh, yeah, Camden Benjamin, commendable receiver, 33 reception, 491 yards, four touchdowns for him this season. But – yeah, I don't. I'm not expecting like huge things from Tulsa, and I'm not expecting big things from UNT. Um, really, just a game that might be a moral victory for the winner. Really, at yeah. this point. Yeah, uh, I think at this point, it it probably most definitely is a, a moral victory game. So. Both teams with uh, first year head coaches, so I mean. Still instilling their cultures. You know, maybe Tulsa and North Texas here in the next five years. Maybe this will be like a really good American matchup. God bless. It'll be the uh, the Red River Red River rivalry, but like mid edition, you know? It'll be like a water, like a watered down Red River rivalry. How about that? Oh, God, North Texas go. versus Tulsa. Instead of the cotton bowl, they play it at like where where else is a neutral site they could play it at that isn't as cool as the Cotton Bowl? Oh, they could play it. They could play it at a Denton Geyer Stadium. <laughs> it's Ch Collins Complex. <laughs> yeah, they could play at Ch Collins. How about that? Oh, All right, Lala, Before we give score predictions, I just want to give you a question. Um, excuse me. Uh. UNT should beat Tulsa and UAB. If they do finish five and seven, is that a respectable first season in the AAC era? One in the Eric Moore era, era two. Two is is there something else following two, or did I misread? That? No, that's it. No, that that's it. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Is it respectable? That was one. Number two is. Eric Morris era. Um, your answer, answer to the first question. Yeah, I think I think it's respectable in the first year in the American. Um, I think all of the CUSA teams, aside from Rice, really have been kind of mid in the American in their first year. Um, so, I, I mean, I think it's respectable. Um in the Eric Morris era, this being the first year under Morris, I think it's good. I think it's good, especially where this team stood in the offseason. I mean, there were a lot of people saying that they were probably going to have no more than three wins. So I, I think to, to squeeze out two more and, and get five and almost get to bowl eligibility is pretty impressive under uh, under a head coach in his first year. So I think uh, there's a lot of room for improvement, but I think – in terms of those two standards, definitely a respectable season. Um, and just a reminder, uh, Seth Luttrell went five and seven in his first season as well, but they did get into a bowl via APR, which is <laughs> if your team are is is R, if your team has like a good cumulative GPA, pretty much. Um, <laughs> really? Sometimes they'll let you in with five wins. Yeah. 
<laughs> you didn't, <laughs> you, didn't know, you didn't know no, that, that was I didn't standard. know that. Yeah, so for that. the if they don't have enough six team win or six win teams to fill it, then they'll go to APR, which is rewards teams for being good academically. <laughs> and you better hit the books, called, Mean Green it's Nation. Called, it's called the <laughs> academic prestige rating. Yeah, you didn't know that? No, I didn't know that. That's hilarious. <laughs> Wow. All right, Milo. Vegas, baby, Vegas. Let's look at the what Vegas has. Uh, UNT by two and a half. <laughs> two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half against Tulsa. But, you know, I got to gotta hand it to them. Vegas <laughs> yeah. has been a little bit off, a little bit shaky, but I think Vegas. this is pretty good. I guess uh, the, maybe Vegas. <laughs> the, the over-under is 68 and a half. So with that, Milo, I ask you, what is your score prediction? Um, I'm going to go 34-26 UNT. 34-26. So eight-point yeah. victory. Interesting. Yeah. I'm going to go, hmm, let's see, 68 over under, 68 and a half. I'll go... 40 to 28 UNT. A little bit of a wider margin of victory there. Yeah, I think they'll be pissed after they got their ass kicked by SMU. So I think that they'll take out that anger on the Golden Hurricanes, which I don't know why they're called that in Oklahoma. The Golden Hurricanes? Yeah. I've never read. (laughs) You know, okay. Okay. (laughs) I don't okay. know what you're about to say, but I'm not sure if you should say it. Yeah, I think I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, golden we'll Hurricane, about... there you go. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> the Golden Air Hurricane. What a beautiful day it is to be listening to another Mean Green podcast. Um, oh man, there are, before we move on to UNT men's basketball, I want to give you some news. And we can talk about this real quick. So uh, Pete Thamel just tweeted, the NCAA postseason waiver request for James Madison, Jacksonville State, and Tarleton State were rejected. Wow. That's the dumbest rule. This is for football? Mm -hmm. So pretty much Jacksonville State and JMU have had like really good seasons this season at the their first, or it's a J- a JMU second, but Jacksonville State's first year in um, FBS after moving up from FCS. They've had really successful seasons. J- uh, James Madison is 10 and 0. But there is a rule that you have to forego pu- uh, championship eligibility and bowl eligibility for two years after you move after up to the FBS up? level. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah, that the bullshit? NCAA has some of the stupidest moves. Yeah. So I, I James, mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but that's 
That's dumb. Yeah. I don't agree. JMU is being punished for being super good and beating everybody in the Sun Belt, and they don't even get to show anything for it. Other like if they go twelve and zero, they go twelve and zero. That's it. Yeah, that's they don't even make yeah. a bowl. Nothing. Nope. Yeah, they I disagree. Nothing. Yeah, but it completely disagree because the you know college football rules. I mean, they're absurd. They're also the same rules that had you know the top six teams get that are ranked make a quote-unquote college football playoff. I mean, that it wasn't really top much four. of a playoff. Yeah, it's a top – yeah, top four. Well, no, the top six were the New Year's Six Bowls, right? Yeah, Which so there's the, there's the New Year's Six, and then the top four are can play for a title. Top, top 12 okay. next yeah. year. Yeah, top 12 next year, which is much more respectable and better. But um, you know, Six I of them will be SEC, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid because of that exact reason. You know, you have the for years you had this top four team format, and you had the same four: Alabama, Ohio State, uh, Clemson, and then you know Michigan or Georgia. And so it's yeah, like, it was really it's pick your own. Teams. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that the NCAA would do something like that either, because they make dumb rules. So. See, I'm not a big fan of the 12 team playoff idea. Other than, and big caveat, uh, that they're allowing home field playoff games. That's really good. That's See, electric. That, I can get behind that because I can <laughs> promise you it is going to be absolute bedlam at every oh, yeah. single home arena. Every playoff you. game. And you know they're going to yeah. like keep the same field but add the college football playoff logo to it. Mm, that will go so hard, dude. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be hype. So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to that 12-team format. I think it'll actually be a playoff now as opposed to, you know, the four-team format was – I always felt like it wasn't worthy of having the name playoff because there's, you know, it's just four teams. It's really – I don't know. I it would yeah, I feel like a playoff the, – the term playoff should be reserved to something that lasts longer than, like, yeah. you know, four teams playing. So. Yeah, and man, if a Texas team makes a college football playoff game next year and hosts, you already know I'm I'm going. Like that's something you have to go to. Oh yeah. Um, but I'm gonna hand it off to you, my friend. Uh, UNT men's basketball. I wasn't there. I was not able to catch the game. I did read all the stats and stuff, so I didn't miss anything. Watched some highlights of it, but I did miss the game. UNT won 75 to 64, 11 point deficit. Maybe should have been a little more uh, just based on the eye test and looking at the stats and stuff. But I don't know, Milo, you got to see the game. I didn't. So good thing you did. So you can leave this section. Go ahead and tell me your thoughts <laughs> on it. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, I mean, you really didn't miss much, honestly. I mean, it was just, I know the score says that it was a lot closer than it actually was. Uh, and, you know, that kind of was the case because the game in itself, I mean, UNT dominated the whole game and rightfully so. I mean, they're taking on Omaha. This is a program that they're not really on North Texas level. Um, and it was just UNT domination in the first half. Halfway through the second half, Omaha, you know, as expected, usually when a team is, is getting their butt kicked, they kick it in gear for the second half. Uh like we've seen North Texas football do several times this season. <laughs> uh, so Omaha came out in the second half and they played a little bit better. Uh, but I think it was a pretty good game. 
really good game for UNT beyond the arc. Uh, they shot really well. I don't know if you want to pull up the three-point percentage at all, if you can find that. But from the eight, eye test. Eight or 20. So, I mean, okay. Not as good as I thought, but it's still all right. Aaron it's 40% Scott looked good. from three. Yeah, it's 40%. Aaron Scott, he looked really good too. Uh, I think after I think two games in, um, I mean, is it safe to say he's going to step up and be the leader this team needs following oh, um, yeah, following absolutely. what's his name's uh, departure? I know I've drawn a blank Tyler on Perry. his name. Tyler Perry, there you go. I can't believe I forgot his name. And but, um, yeah, and Kai Hunsbury, that's right, he left too. Uh, but I think Aaron Scott, after you know two games in, he definitely looks like he's kind of embracing that leadership role uh, and being that guy where when he gets the ball in his hands, you know that something good is going to happen. Uh, so really good stuff from him. Yeah. Uh, I think Ruben looked good in the paint as well, uh, but I think the team in general could score a whole lot more, uh, you know, in the paint up close. Uh, I I think they didn't shoot as well. From their field goal percentage, I'm sure you could probably look that up as well. Yeah, so so they they shot six for twelve from three in the first half, and then two for eight in the second half. So they just kind of fell off a little bit there in the second. Yeah, so I mean, I'd like to see them a little bit more, a little bit more aggressive in the paint there. But I mean, I you know I can't complain if they're winning games, right? Yeah. So and um, you know, Ruben Jones has been a lot better in this quicker offense that UNT is running this season. Obviously it's not like the quickest in the country, but it's a lot quicker than it has been. Oh, yeah. uh, and what I UNT mean, fans have been accustomed that. to. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, is a slashing player like Ruben is Ruben's very fast. He can get to the bucket really well. Um, I think it's benefiting him. He dropped nine, 18 for Aaron Scott. And a Scott is one of those guys that you, I mean, maybe he's a fringe NBA player in the future. You know, I he's probably coming back for a senior year, I would assume, if he doesn't go off too hard this year. But I mean, look at his skill set. He's a great defender, great three-point shooter now, and uh, just a force in the paint. So, A Scott, you know, I could really see him landing on a like he's not I don't see him as a guy that's going to take like the Bristol Flyer route. Like I genuinely think he's he might find himself yeah, I genuinely think he G can League, find yeah. his way into the G League. I mean, Jelly Walker made the Mavericks, so like, yeah. anything yeah, is possible. I, I think I think if if Scott takes <coughs> a whole new step, right, and I think he's off to a really good start, but I think he's got to turn it up even more if he wants to, you know, crack a shot at a, a, a G League spot. But like you said, he's got another year, right? But I definitely think, definitely think that he could, you know, if he takes a, a substantial step this year and then an even bigger one next year i think we could probably see him because um like unlike other north texas players that we've seen in the past he's got the measurables i think he he's definitely got the measurables um and you know i i think i think we could see him, him make a push for a you know a professional um roster spot not in europe or not overseas no. No, I mean, he's pretty much a Thomas Bell that's bigger and can shoot better. <laughs> yeah, the, the shooting is North. the big – yeah. Yeah, no, the shooting is, is the big part. I, I definitely see a little bit of Thomas Bell in him, but I, I think the shooting is, is what separates him. <laughs> yeah, that, that separates him from the rest of the crowd. Yeah, for sure. Um, just to give you his numbers, seven of nine from the field, three of four from three, one of two at the free throw line, three rebounds, 
um, five personally did foul out. So, <laughs> um, but that's going to happen. Uh, if you're that good, teams will start attacking you on defense. They want you out of the game. Uh, I remember seeing that with a lot of players back in the day, especially uh, with guys such as uh, Thomas Bell. They'd attack him and try to get him to foul out, and a lot of times he would get those fouls. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the future of UNT basketball is looking really good. Got a shout-out, C.J. Nolan, 5 of 8 from the field, uh, 6 of 7 good. from the free throw line, good. 2 of 4 from 3 points, 18 points. He was the tied leading scorer. And Mulai Sasoko, the big man, had another good game. 10 points. He's just solid, just a solid center. He's not going to do anything that makes your eyes pop out of your head, but he is just a very good center, Mr. Mulai, Money Mulai. Um, UNT does have a big tournament this weekend. They are traveling to Charleston, South Carolina to take on St. John's. And we all know who leads St. John's. It is Mr. Rick Patino. Rick Patino, ladies and gentlemen. College football, or college football, <laughs> college <laughs> basketball royalty, uh, tournament champion in 1996 and 2013, lots of uh, final four appearances in 87, 93, 96, 97, 2005, 2012, and 2013. Yes, there were some scandals <laughs> that Patino <laughs> was a part of, but um, if you ignore the pay-to-play scandals, um, he's a legend, legend of the game, obviously a very talented head coach, whether he, whether there was pay to play scandal or not, a uh, very talented head coach and UNT will get to face one of the better coaches in NCAA in Rick Pitino. And, you know, after getting Iona to the NCAA tournament last year, he was rewarded with a big East powerhouse move to St. John's man. St. John's is one of those, one of those programs that has always been around in college basketball. They always stick around. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, Oh, there's St. John's again. You know, were you really, I was, I was when I I would make, when I would make those brackets, I would notice that St. John's was around pretty often. You know, I was born in 2002 they went to the tournament in 11, 15, and 19. So that was like right as I was growing up. Oh, I Milo. thought you were talking when you were like four years old. Okay. No, I'm not like I'm not like one of those parents that are I'm not like one of those parents that caps on on Twitter and is like, oh, my three-year-old boy just told me, why don't we think about the economic needs of those in, in individuals on the street that may not have the equity that we all have? Because your kid didn't say that. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> no, like literally, I think I made my first bracket when I was like 10 and they were in the tournament 2011. So, yeah, St. John's is yeah. always around. Yeah, St. John's is around. They're in the Big East, one of the storied conferences in uh, college sports, but especially college basketball. And I don't think UNT will be like out of their depth because a lot of people think about when UNT plays you know, solid teams, they think about that. Well, well, let me, let me rephrase that. When they play early, when they play uh, solid teams early, uh, correction, they think of last year's game where like against, uh, man, who are they playing? I think it was, uh, it was the one in the WCC. Um, it's another Saint, Saint not St. Saint Francis, but do you know what I'm talking about? 
No. Oh man, what are they called? It's it's in <laughs> it's in it it's in California, St. Mary's. Uh, they were playing St. Mary's. Mary's in Mar uh in Moraga, and they lost sixty three thirty three. But half the team had the flu, so they didn't even make the flight. Aaron Scott was sick. What is that noise? From my yeah. Oh, yeah. that was a car. I live oh, right gotcha. by the five freeway, so oh my, you live by the I five. Wow, I do. Yeah, yeah. No, but uh. Aaron Scott was sick. Ruben Jones was sick. Tyler Perry was sick during that game. So they had like none of their top threats. I think I remember that. Yeah. But I think against St. John's, it will be a little better. The whole team is healthy. And it's a big test early for this team. And that's why I really like the way that Hodge and uh, Jared Mosley constructed the schedule. Because, you know, you got Northern Iowa. That was a really tough game to start the season with. And then you're traveling to Charleston to face St. John's, that's a lot. And, yeah. you know, the other teams that are there are no walk in the park either. I mean, you know, this is a tournament that they can really kind of put the, their name back on the map because I'm not saying that they fell off the map when McCaslin left, but they didn't exactly, you know, they didn't exactly keep everything that they would have, all of that clout. But, I mean, Dayton, Houston, now in the Big 12, by the way, LSU, St. John's, Towson, Utah, and Wake Forest will all be there. That's a, a really good Classic. tournament to be in. That is a really, a really, really good that's tournament. That's a good company to be a part of. Yeah, and the fact that UNT is among those teams, and, you know, every I, I can already hear it on the ESPN broadcasts when I watch it. Oh, and... Uh, the mean green underneath a new head coach, Ross Hodge. And he was an understudy of Grant McCaslin for years. You know, they're, they're going to say that this is a yeah. big chance for not only UNT to get big wins early and make themselves look a little better in the net rankings, but this is a chance for Ross Hodge to really say the McCaslin era is over. It happened. I was a part of it. It happened. Now, yeah. It is my era. It is my time to take over, and it is my team. And how you do that, you get big wins, and he has the chance to do that this weekend. There you go. That is a perfect analysis. I think uh, I think you're you're spot on. I think it's a great chance for Ross Hodge to kind of come into a league of his own and say that you know this is my team. This is you know separate himself from Grant McCaslin because I'm sure yeah. he's probably. Sure, he's probably getting tired of every every time they mention him on TV, they gotta mention Mac. So yep. Yeah. Uh St. John's tips off at 12 30 p.m. Yeah, tomorrow. why'd they do that? On Thursday. Why'd they know. do that? You know, I, oh, yeah. I typically would I typically would be able to have it on in the background, maybe, but like I'm I'm gonna be busy with work tomorrow. I got a busy day. So like I I don't know if I'm gonna be able to watch it. <laughs> I will be able to watch it, I do believe. So I will do that at 12.30 p.m. If you're wondering, folks, because I know your favorite part of this podcast is when me and Milo talk about our daily lives, at 12.30 p.m. <laughs> I will be watching uh, St. John's versus UNT. I'll get some stories out about that. Um, I'm obviously not in Charleston, South Carolina. That's just not really a realistic trip to take. Um, so... I'll be reporting it from home, watching on ESPNU. Big opportunity for the Mean Green. But man, I just, I'm looking at the time on my phone. The font's a little weird. I can barely read it. But do you know what I can read? 
What can you read? I can check that timing because it's time for you to give your take, Milo. Better check that timing. It's time for Milo's take. FAU should not be in the top 10. That's my take for the, for the day, and I will gladly shout it out loud so the whole world can hear. Um, FAU is in men's basketball, FAU? No, FAU football. Basketball, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what you is your check. reasoning they were, for they this? They were ranked in the top ten. What, yeah, go, what ahead. Are your go ahead. Do your stats. For, what, is, what is your reasoning for this? Very simple. Like I said earlier this week, they have not proven themselves. You dared <laughs> me to bring it to the table. You dared me. You said, bring this. Bring this on the podcast and we'll debate. I don't think they should be in the top 10. They have not proven themselves this season. Did they prove themselves last year? Yeah, they went all the way. Was it a fraudulent run or not is the question, right? Was it a one and done thing? North Texas, they won. I don't want to compare, but North Texas, they made it to March Madness. They beat Purdue. They lost in the second round, but they followed it up with an NIT win. It's an NIT championship win. I don't think FAU should be ranked that high yet. Now, are they a top 25 team? Yeah, probably. But I don't think they're ready for top 10. Have them beat Have them beat a couple teams to start the season because I don't think they've beaten anybody good to start they the season. They beat Loyola Chicago. Loyola's okay. Yeah, they're fine. I mean, I saw I that, but they're, they're, they're okay, right? Loyola is okay, but they're not... Well, not a top 25 well Milo, let, let me counter your take with this. So usually I do not think that the AP would rank a team like FAU top 10, but they did make the final four last year. And you also have to look at what happened with the team. They brought back John L. Davis, Nick Boyd, Giancarlo Rosado, Ryan Greenlee, Isaiah Gaines, Jalen Gaffney, and the big boy, Vladislav Goldin. They brought back a lot of those guys that made that run possible and also kept head coach Dusty May. In fact, Dusty May got a big pay raise. So, and Elijah Martin. I forgot to mention Elijah Martin, for God's sake. So they brought back all of their guys, pretty much. All of their guys that brought them to the Final Four, and they proved that they were one of the four best teams in the country last year. Yeah, you know, I mean, maybe it's just a maybe it's just a byproduct of they haven't seen too many games this season to move them down the rankings at all. Um, but I don't see them staying in the top ten. I mean, I don't th- I don't think they should be ranked this high at all, and I don't think that they'll stay in the top ten. I think that uh, give them a top give them a top ten team to go up against. We'll see if they really belong there, and I. I don't think they win it. Well, I, I, I think by the end of the season, they might still be top 25. I think they probably will be top 25 by the end of the season, but I don't think they're top 10 quality. I just, right now, I don't agree with you. But yeah, I agree with you. If they're if they're not good down the line, I mean, F them. Like, <laughs> like they should yeah, be I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think it, 10. I just, my, my whole point of this take is I think it's too early to give them such a high ranking 
Well, just I looking when, at their. I think when yeah. you have a school, when you have a school that hasn't, you know, proven themselves in the past, and then they went on this big run last year, um, it's very difficult to say whether or not that's the real them or that's just you know they went on this big Cinderella story run and, and they're going to fall off. So yeah, I, I, I get that it's hard to quantify yeah. that. But you, you, they will have the chance to prove themselves. They got Butler, Penn State, or Texas A&M, uh, Liberty tournament team in Charleston, Illinois, FIU, Saint Bonaventure, and then right before conference play, they play Arizona on Big Fox. So they will have the chance to prove if they're frauds or not. Um, okay. So, yeah. you know, we may have this conversation on you know around Christmas, well after after they play Arizona. We may go, okay, yeah, the, they were overrated. But as of right now, Milo, I don't agree with you. I think that they built that resume la- up last year to be in the top 10. You could argue that they should be top eight, in my opinion. But I think top 10 is is very accurate for FAU at this moment. I know a lot of Memphis fans don't agree with that. And I think we can both agree yeah, on I've that. Yeah, I've been seeing them beef with that, yeah. We like to say One check that problem. to things. Memphis yeah. needs to check that ego and also check that program because they are not as good as they think they are. Yeah, and I've been an advocate for Memphis basketball in a sense where I think they do deserve a little bragging rights. I think in the past they've they've had a history of success and um, they've proven that they're a powerhouse major or mid-major basketball program. Uh, but I think they've been getting a little bit a little bit too out of hand recently. And uh, especially, I don't even think they were ranked top 25 this year. So I, I don't I think they need to scale back the hating a little bit and, uh, you know, save it for when they actually have the, uh, the stats this year to back it up. Yeah, I agree. Um and then I'm, I'm sick of hearing Memphis fans call themselves a major. We're a major. All the people in the American, they're mid-major, but we're major. It's like, no, you're, well, not. you're in the American. You're, you're in the, in the if American, you're, dude. If you're in the, uh, if you're in the American, let me emphasize this. And I might put echo on this. I want to uh, emphasize it so much. You are a <laughs> mid-major. <laughs> mid-major. You're not a major. Yep. Yeah, check and that, I, look. Check that conference. Check that conference. Look, I, I don't think that there is as much of a stigma as um, with being a mid-major program as there is being a G five program in football. Oh, for so sure. I don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think there's that much wrong with being considered a mid-major. You can still be ranked as a mid-major. There's nothing wrong with it. Your schedule might be a little bit weaker. Might be a little bit harder for you to get into a postseason tournament especially the NIT now, but uh, I don't, I don't think there's that much wrong with being a mid major, uh, especially in, in basketball. No. And Memphis has a really tough schedule, a really tough non-con schedule this season. So I'm not really sure what they're complaining about. Well, I think they should get their own arena because they don't even have one. They play in the forum, right? FedEx. Yeah. 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 They, they do the, uh, the old UTSA special. A, a rental so yeah yeah but uh, <laughs> we can have more historic convos later about how you and utsa stadium is yeah there you go but yeah. uh that's my take 
for this week. Uh, FAU, I think we respectfully disagree. Yeah, uh, I, and that is a very respectable disagree. I, I, I get what you're saying. I hear you, but I just want to see more of the season play out before I make an opinion on it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, we can revisit it. Mark it down on the calendar. All right. Well, cornball of the week time. Milo, I would like to know your cornball, please. My cornball of the week, Lane Kiffin. Whoa, Lane Kiffin. That's right. So a couple of weeks ago, Dabo Sweeney was my cornball of the week. Um, he said something about mental health. Um, he said that, that Clemson's mental health coordinator would be on uh, watch after watching watching the Tigers play football. <laughs> we is- deemed him... We deemed him as cornball for saying that because mental health is no joke. Well, Lane Kiffin does something similar uh, this past week. Um, A report came out from Front Office Sports. It was an exclusive. They tweeted it out on uh, the 9th. They said, FOS has obtained audio of the heated exchange between Lane Kiffin and defensive tackle uh, DeSanto Rollins after Rollins' mental health break. So this player... For Ole Miss, um, he took a mental health break um, for a while, I'm assuming. And uh, apparently he did not, he was not in communication with Lane Kiffin at all. Uh, when he took this two-week-long mental health break, he kind of you know broke contact with the uh, football program, did not contact the coach at all and tell him, hey, I don't know when I'm going to be back, but, uh, you know, he didn't do any of that, no contact. And there is a leaked audio um from lane kiffin and he's having a discussion with rollins and i don't know if you want to insert it read and in, in editing you could probably insert it here i don't know if i want that on our podcast yeah, i think it's kind of disgusting yeah that's that's fair uh but anyways in short the big quote was lane kiffin's yelling at him and he's saying go read your effing rights about mental health we can kick you off the team end quote so Lane Kiffin is essentially cursing this player out because this player kind of ghosted Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin uh, to take this mental health break. Um, And mind you, Rollins also filed a $40 million lawsuit, um, I believe against Ole Miss, I think, if I'm correct, for potentially kicking him off the team. Um, And so, yeah, I think Lane Kiffin – to sum it all up, this is cornball move to yell at a guy like this. I mean, I understand that what he has done is by no means acceptable, but this is a guy that he could have been borderline. He could have been on the edge of killing himself. And here you are yelling at him saying, oh, read your effing rights about mental health. We'll kick you off the damn team for not for not being in contact with us. I mean, this guy probably didn't want to talk to anybody if he's on the verge of himself, right? So, I, I mean, I just... I, I think this is a this is real cornball move from Lane Kiffin um, to full out be aggressive in this confrontation here. Uh, I, I think you got to approach this very strategically when you've got someone that's that's dealing with a, a, a mental health crisis like this. Uh, you cannot be cannot be aggressive and and demeaning and demoralizing. Um, Lane Kiffin is my cornball of the week for that experience. Uh, yeah, I don't really have anything to add with add to that. I agree with you. Uh, if you or a loved one are suffering through uh, thoughts of suicide or things like that, dial 988 or text 988. Uh, that is the Suicide in Crisis Lifeline. It is available 
24 hours of the day. So just wanted to add that due to today's subject on Cornball of the Week. Um, Not suffering alone for those listening. Um, Let's go to uh, my Cornball of the Week, which feels very odd after after that whole thing. (laughs) Um, My Cornball of the Week is Jimbo Fisher. Um, From Texas A&M University. He got the shape of Italy. Formerly, he, he, he said, uh, what rhymes with Rick? Bro, buddy got kicked. Um, Jimbo Fisher, after really an abysmal stint at Texas A&M, they said, I'm tired of this, Grandpa. And they kicked him off the damn team they fired him (laughs) he went 45 and 25 at texas a&m started his career uh at a&m in 2018 went nine and four eight and five nine and one eight and four in his first five four seasons inconsistent five and seven last year and six and four at the time of his firing this season so just with i think that Jimbo Fisher didn't necessarily do an awful job at Texas A&M. He recruited really well because of the resources he had, let's be honest. Yeah. A&M had lots of money. It is a program that sets up all of its athletes to succeed. But pretty much across the board, although A&M has all of that money, they do not succeed athletically. All that often. Yeah, I, I think AM has been pretty disappointing in recent years, especially in football. I think basketball a little bit less. Um, but football, AM has definitely not, they haven't really accomplished that much, and they did not accomplish that much under Jimbo. So I, I think it was only a matter of time. This was not really a firing where, um, you know, he did one big thing. I think it was accumulation of just, you know, constant mediocrity, I, I, I guess. Um, and that's not to say AM did not have a, a couple of good winning seasons. I mean, I remember uh, a couple of years ago when they beat LSU. Um, I think they beat LSU. That game was huge. Uh, also won the Orange Bowl in uh, yeah. COVID year, but that's COVID so, year. Yeah, so they, 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 they did some good stuff, but they did some bad stuff as well. And I think just ultimately, meh, mediocrity. Yeah, yeah. Right. I think mediocre is the correct word. And the why Texas A&M isn't my cornballs of the week and instead it is Jimbo Fisher, is because Jimbo always had to say. Like, no matter how bad his coaching stint was, he would always be talking that mad trash to oh, yeah. other coaches like Saban and, and Lane Kiffin and a, a bunch of other people throughout his tenure. It never felt like Jimbo wanted to take accountability. He just wanted to blame other people. And, you know, I thought that hiring... Uh, Man, I, I felt like he made some really questionable hires uh, this season, uh, especially in the offensive coordinator department. Um, I think that you got to have a good culture at your program. And Jimbo Fisher did not have that. You know, um, when you hire Bobby Petrino, a guy that has been a known scumbag for like his entire coaching tenure you're not exactly embracing that you want to change many things at the university. And it was overdue that Jimbo Fisher was 
was released relieved of his duty at Texas and at Texas A&M you have higher expectations because you have every resource in the world given to you there are no excuses at either of those institutions to be athletically mid and for all of the other athletic programs at Texas you know they're really good Football has been mediocre. At AM, the entire the entire athletic program has pretty much yeah. been mediocre. Jimbo Fisher, you led the 12th man. You are a representative of Texas AM University. That is one of the best cultures in the country, whether it's a cult, whether it's weird as hell, doesn't matter. AM is one of the blue bloods of the country. They are very, very loyal fans, and they deserved a hell of a lot better than Jimbo Fisher. And Jimbo Fisher gave them a big pile of dookie in the last not in the last uh, six years, and it's really just very unfortunate. Um, I want to shout out my uncle Pepper. He died earlier this year. Loved A and M. I wish he could have seen them hi- uh, fire Jimbo Fisher. I, I think he would have enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, hopefully, who they hire is. Um, kind of helps them get back in the right direction because like I said at AM you have all the resources you have a great culture you got fans who will show up no matter what that should result in winning football but it didn't with Jimbo Fisher so my friend you are the cornball of the week and also rest in peace to Pepper yeah there we go so Rant. I I b- before we wrap it up before we wrap it up is it okay if I give an honorary cornball of the week Oh, an, an HCO2W. Yes, huh? yes. I have an honorary cornball. I could not decide between Lane Kiffin or this other one. But this one was not my cornball of the week because we could not verify if it was true. On November 9th, we had a tweet release. All of sports media was talking about Bill Belichick and his potential walk of shame. I don't know if you saw the video at all, but... Um, Bill Belichick was on, he was not on the Pat McAfee show, but the Pat McAfee show on November 9th, they covered this uh, ring camera clip that surfaced on the internet um, of a shirtless man that seemingly looked like Bill Belichick from the ring camera, step outside onto the uh, porch, patio, whatever you call it, of a uh, house. It was really low quality. But it looked strikingly similar to Bill Belichick, and it raised questions as to whether it was the New England Patriots head coach doing a uh, good old walk of shame uh, after, uh, you know, engaging in certain actions at someone's house the night before. So I just wanted to point that out. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but I definitely think that gives a uh, <laughs> pretty good laugh. We, we had, to, had to cover that. I have not seen that, but imagine the pressure of that with Bill Belichick. Yeah, they call him hashtag Bender Bill. That's, that's <laughs> funny. <laughs> wow, that was a really good yeah, time. But, this, cut this out, article, but the defense was a little worse than I was. <laughs> <laughs> this article from TMSPN. I'm not sure what that stands for, but uh, I can probably find it. Um, it says, as a prominent figure in the NFL, Bill Belichick has led the New England Patriots as head coach for over two decades. This unverified viral video purports to offer a glimpse into his life beyond the football field. So Bill Belichick, if that is your life beyond the football field, beyond the gridiron, (laughs) props to you. 
because yeah, that's, uh, I guess that's, so. that's yeah. very interesting stuff. Billy still got it, even yeah. at an old age. I imagine yep. he rolls over, and instead of smoking a cigarette, he gets a playbook off the nightstand. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, all right, we're going to run play. <laughs> Bill, Bill, no, Bill, why won't you hold me? It's, you're like, sorry, dear, I'm, I'm studying the flood concept. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so honorary cornball of the week there. Yeah, I just I, I couldn't make him the main cornball because we did not know we do not know if it has been verified or not that it's Bill Belichick, but just know that if it is verified, <laughs> we might come back and name him officially yeah. a cornball. Shout out Mr. Belichick. Um, <laughs> cornball. All right, but thank you for leading off the episode, Milo. You're a great leadoff hitter. You got us right in to the episode which i appreciate greatly yeah that'll be it unfortunately i can't do the outro because i i can't <laughs> i just don't have the plug that you have the mean green 24 7 plug so there you go yeah you're right you so, do it. it'll be me milo let off i'm the number nine hitter um thank you for listening we appreciate everyone who tunes in weekly and we do see the numbers going up We wish we had a better football season to talk about, but we still have a good time talking about it anyway. And as we shift to basketball, that is a lot of fun. We both enjoy talking about basketball quite a bit. And Ross Hodge looks to be, uh, I was going to say fielding, but bringing out a very good team in his debut season as the Mean Greens head coach. And there is somewhere you can read about all of these things on MeanGreen247.com. Where, if you become a VIP, then you get access to content that is exclusive to the site. If you become a VIP, you get by the numbers a look at UNT men's basketball by the facts and the figures. One of those, if not the first one, of the season will be coming out tomorrow for St. John, since I will not be there, and you do not want to miss the action. Get a VIP subscription for Mean Green 24-7 today and don't miss out on that UNT content that will keep your fanhood going. You can listen to another Mean Green podcast on Apple Music and Spotify. And thank you for listening, guys. Really interesting game, I want to say. Maybe. <laughs> for for Maybe. UNT on Saturday. A barn burner. Oh, yeah. UNT Tulsa, both 3-7, and seven, looking for a 5-7 and seven season. That'll be it from us. Goodbye.